Whoever is listening, we're glad to have you in. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 59. A lot of stuff to cover today, a lot of stuff to go over. Today I'm going to be real with you guys. It's going to be an honesty episode. This is going to be, we're going to go over quickly Clemson football and their trouncing of Wake Forest. Then we're going to cover some NFL, some teams. We're going to have some honest discussions today. So be ready for that stuff. It is going to be a good week for you guys. We got Thanksgiving coming up Thursday. We got three NFL games. And then we have the, I think we have Saturday games or is that Christmas? I know we have Saturday on college football because it's rivalry weekend. We got Alabama, Auburn. We got Clemson, South Carolina. We've got Ohio State and Michigan. A lot of big stuff. The CFP, a lot of teams' destinies are being figured out right now. And it is almost the one-year anniversary of our return episode. If you guys remember back all the way in December of 2020, we had our return episode for this podcast. And boy, it's been a journey. Three Wow. <laughs> I think back then it was, it was, <laughs> it's weird. I had probably like a couple like people listening. I had friends and had family encouraging me to keep going. Now we have people all over the country. We're over 3,500 listeners in. I think we're getting close to 3,750. It's just insane. I can't be, that. this is what this week will be for me. It's just being thankful for what this podcast has done. Really love it. Really appreciate it. Without further ado, guys, let's get into it. I want to talk Clemson football for one second because I know a lot of people have been waiting for me to say something about them. And I'm going to, this is, like I said, this is the honesty episode. So we're going to be honest about some, some the, all the teams that we're going to talk about today. And good Lord, that was about kicking on Saturday. You could tell. And I my thoughts going into the game were you were going to see very early on how this game was going to go. You were either going to see Wake Forest really compete with Clemson. You're going to see them. They they were going to show why they were a top ten team in the country, or Clemson's roster it was going to outplay them. They were going to be more physical than Wake Forest. They were going to shut down Sam Hartman, and it was going to be a difficult game for Wake Forest to overcome. But with Clemson's offensive struggles recently they were going to be able to hang in the game. That was not the case. DJ Uyunglele played fantastic, probably his best game of the season, besides the Louisville game. He had the one play, and I think that um, we finally figure out who DJ is. It's like play, it's like watching Ben Roethlisberger, and a good version of Ben Roethlisberger, because DJ made a lot of good throws this weekend. You have some head scratchers still, but he's improving every single week. He's making better decisions with the ball. That play where he scrambled around, found Bo Collins for a 50-yard pass off his back foot. That is DJ in a nutshell. Bigger than any defensive lineman out there, able to break tackles. He is mean. He's able to get throws where they need to be. Heck of an arm. That also, that rainbow throw to Bo Collins was fantastic. And it seemed like Clemson's offense was clicking. They were moving in the right direction. A lot of good stuff. Um, we're going to talk about Will Shipley and Kobe Pace. Over 300 yards on the ground off rushing. Clemson finally, I believe, figured out who they are. They are a power football team. They are able to finally get a lot of holes on the offensive line. They're able to create separation. They're able to get their running back space to move. This running back group at Clemson is one of the best in the country, I'd say. 
and they were able to find the space. And when they found the space, they were tough to bring down. Shipley and Kobe Pace are different styles of back. I'd say Kobe Pace is more of a power back. Shipley's more elusive, but both can do more of the same thing together. But I think one is defined by the other. It was really fun to watch. And let's you can't talk about this Clemson game without talking about the defense. 11 sacks on Sam Hartman. Holy cow. That was something I didn't expect. I didn't expect this Clemson defense to come out there and whoop on Wake Forest, a team that's been putting up 50-plus points in the last couple weeks. It was ridiculous. It was insane. You had a Wake Forest team with a lot of momentum, a chance to go to the ACC, and a Clemson team that's still fighting. And in the end, they could still not make it to Charlotte, but they're playing like they're going to go to the college football playoff. It is a testament to what the staff has done, a testament to Dabo. This is a team that's fighting for him. I really like to see it, and this is something people need to understand. Not every, every year, there's not going to be a 12-0 season. There's not going to be a 14-0, 14-1, go to the playoffs every year. There's going to be years where you have struggles. There are going to be years where you have injuries. Everyone's going to have their bumps on the road. Now, not everybody's Alabama. Not everybody's Nick Saban and can just fill in the next five-star. You have people like LSU, teams like Texas, teams like Florida, that are having these down years, quote-unquote. You have um, teams like Auburn, who had a lot of expectations going in, and they're struggling. You have uh, teams like Michigan, who have had down years, and now they're starting to reap the benefits of that patience. Clemson fans, we need to learn some patience here and learn how to adapt, learn how to overcome what has happened. They've overcome a lot. They started 4-3, and three, and now they're 8-3, and three, looking on the better side of things on the season. Really impressed with Clemson this year. Really impressed, even if they don't go to near six bowl. It is one of those teams that you just, if things could have gone a little bit more right, I think that if Clemson played Georgia now, it'd be a lot closer. It'd probably be more of a scoring game because I think Clemson understands who they are now. They're not trying to move the ball down the field every single time. I think they're getting DJ comfortable first. They're starting him out slow and then getting him the throws that he wants to make later on in the game and using Kobe Pace and Will Shipley to run the ball. All right, I know I told you guys today it is going to be an honesty discussion. So I want to talk about the Patriots. The Patriots, much like Clemson, had a lot of struggles early on. The Patriots, much like Clemson, had a new quarterback coming in, and we did not know how it was going to be. The Patriots now, like Clemson, have gone streaking. Their Patriots have won five straight. Clemson has won four straight. And I know I'm comparing my two teams together, but it feels like the, both of them have kind of picked it up at the same time. Clemson started 4-3, and three, New England started 2-4, and four, everything's kind of coming together. And I told you guys we're going to be honest today, and I'm going to be honest with you when I tell you that Mac Jones is going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Mac Jones is one of the most games as a rookie in Patriots franchise history, it's crazy to say. And that record holder is not Brady, it's not... Some It's Jim Plunkett. It's not Drew Bledsoe. It is Mac Jones. They have also, like Clemson, figured out who they are. And I think we're going to talk about this with Philadelphia later. It is dangerous when a team figures out who they are, when they know who they are, they know what their strengths are, and they are so good at it. New England knows what they are. They know that Mac Jones is not, is not of the arm talent of Trevor Lawrence. They know that Mac Jones doesn't have the elusiveness of... Justin Fields, or the elusiveness of Zach Wilson in cases. They know who Mac Jones is. He's a bona fide pocket passer. He is the old-style quarterback that can sit in the pocket and carve up a defense, make the right throws, make the right decisions, and not lose you the game. That is perfect for what New England needs. And now you're going to have people that are going to say, 
Well, if he was in Jacksonville or Chicago, he'd be struggling, and I think those arguments are valid because those situations right now are terrible. Trevor Lawrence, the rumors are coming out that Trevor Lawrence is, his coaches are struggling on how to develop him, how to move forward with that development. That is something to look forward to in the offseason of how that coaching staff is divvied up. But regardless, it's not Mac Jones' fault that he was drafted in New England. He's made the best of that situation. That He's also taken his team out of a 2-4 and four hole, beating teams like Cleveland, the Chargers, the Panthers who are improving. They're 5-6, and six, but they have really one of the best defenses in the league, in my opinion. And then you have this upcoming week against Tennessee is going to be the prove-it game for a lot of people. And I know Tennessee just lost to Houston, so now that argument does not carry as much validity as it probably would have if they had played the Rams, or they played the Patriots right after they played the Rams. I think that uh, in terms of the divorce, and obviously when you talk New England, the divorce comes up. The Brady versus Belichick argument. They Now, Tampa plays on tonight, and I'm recording this on Monday because I think I'm about to leave for the week for Thanksgiving for the break, thank God. <laughs> um, but Tampa plays in the Giants tonight, so that'll be telling of what is what. But I think Belichick's going to win this divorce long term. And it's not just because I don't think Brady's going to be in the league for long. I think he's probably got two or three more years, which is crazy to say because he's 44. So playing into his mid to late 40s is just unreal. It's very, very impressive, and he could win another Super Bowl in that time. But I think Belichick's found his guy. He's found this team. He went had a bunch of money to spend this offseason. Got Judon, two Pro Bowl caliber tight ends. Good enough receivers to be able to move the chains. Jacoby Myers is a big third down guy. Ken- Kendrick Bourne, I think you guys are going to hear that name a lot more. He brings a lot of energy. He brings a lot of passion. And I think him and Mac Jones are developing a chemistry that could potentially turn into a deep threat along with Aguilar. I think in, the, in terms of the AFC... The two teams that I would not want to face right now are the Colts and the Patriots because they both know what they are. They run the football well. They have one of the best offensive lines, respectively, in the league. And they can get to the pass. They can get to the, the quarterback. The, obviously, get to the passer. Like, whoa, really old style there. But they just, both of these teams keep improving. I am actually very excited for that Colts-Patriots game in Indianapolis. It is going to be a dogfight. That is something to look forward to. Okay. I have written down on my phone, we need context, and I'm talking about the Chiefs. And I know I've been the Chiefs hater for the last couple weeks, and they're winning games, so let's start by crediting them. Their defense has improved significantly. It was a tire fire, and it's gone to a very competent defense that gets plays, gets turnovers. I like what I see from that defense. And now, on the other side, I think the Kansas City offense has regressed, but we need context. This was a Kansas City home game. Eight Cowboys starters were out. Two of their best pass rushers, their two best wide receivers, and you had their left tackle out. And then a couple other guys here and there. I was talking to a couple Cowboys people about it. And then I talked to Addison. I was like, hey, give me some information. If you guys haven't seen that episode with Addison and Nick Reed, Cowboys fans, check it out. But they had eight starters out. So when you go to Arrowhead, can't even hear to begin with left tackle out so you're getting people in your face all day your two best receivers are out who are probably one of the best receivers in the league to start with it's it makes it tough because then they realize they all they got to do is hone in on the run they know they can beat you one-on-one with pass rush because they don't have to disguise anything 
it's just a win where I'm like, all right, guys, let's hold on. Let's calm down. Let's pump the brakes on this Kansas City team. I want to see a complete game. I want to see Kansas City's offense make big plays, explosive plays. I don't want the dink and dunk. I want to see Mahomes make a Mahomes play. I want him to see Mahomes have a clean game where he doesn't have bad throws or a turnover. And I know you guys are like, you guys are asking a lot out of the Chiefs. But this is a team that in February got their they got their stuff rocked against Tampa Bay. I think that could be the case if they were somehow able to sneak into the Super Bowl because they play a team like Green Bay, LA, or Arizona. I think I'd take them by double digits. And I'm serious. And I could be wrong, and I'd love to be proved wrong because the Chiefs are really fun to watch when everything's clicking, but I just not, I'm not sure. And they have the schedule to do it. I'm going I'm to tell you guys. They have the, the Chiefs. They have the Broncos at home, the Raiders at home, at the Chargers. That's going to be a loss. They have the Steelers at home. Could be difficult with that defense against the Steelers. They have the Bengals, who are going to be a tough team, probably fighting for a playoff spot. And then they have the Broncos again in Denver. It could be tough, but at the same time, you look at that and you're like, ooh, I don't know. The streaky Broncos, the Raiders, who are just a huge question mark. We don't know who the heck they are. I think that they're a uh, collapsing team because of this external consequences of Henry Ruggs and the stuff with John Gruden. It's just a big mess. It really is. But I think for Kansas City, if they keep improving on offense and they keep doing what they're doing on defense, there's going to be no problem. They're going to be fine. But... I just need to see more. All right, we're going to take a short break. When I get back, we're going to talk Philadelphia to the playoffs and why Indianapolis' statement was the biggest in the NFL this week. This is the Name of the Plan podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is the Name of the Plan podcast, episode 59. Guys, thank you guys so much. This is a week of thanks, and of course, I'm thankful for y'all and all of the listeners of this show. You guys are perfect. You guys are great. We are building something special here. But now, something that's being built that I think could be special, could be, is something brewing in Indianapolis. And like I said before about these teams, it's dangerous when you know who you are. And Indianapolis made a statement this week. They trounce the Bills, not just trounce the Bills, Bills at home, in Orchard Park, cold Buffalo, scary Buffalo, mean Buffalo, the team that was supposed to be a Super Bowl favorite Buffalo, got rocked. The Buffalo wasn't able to run the ball, and they weren't able to stop it either. Jonathan Taylor had five touchdowns today, or Sunday. Wow. <laughs> There's not much else you can say about Jonathan Taylor's performance other than just dominant. It was unreal I was my jaw was dropped watching it and it was a Sunday where I could kind of just relax and take it all in really enjoyed that for sure um I think that more or less the Jonathan Taylor performance needs to be in more context with Carson Wentz because I think when Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts you had people that were split you either on board or you were against it and what I mean is we saw what Carson Wentz was in Philadelphia in 2020. It was a bit of a mess. It was a bit of a lot of bad turnovers, a lot of just head scratchers. You were kind of searching for that Carson Wentz that was there when he was an MVP candidate before he tore his ACL. And I think with Carson Wentz, he's starting to find his groove again. And why it's so big for Carson Wentz that his Jonathan Taylor had such a big day is that if they can establish the run and have Carson Wentz make Carson Wentz plays 
limit those mistakes and keep Carson comfortable, he's so good. He's got all the tools still. He's got all the ability of why he was drafted second overall in the draft. He was so efficient. He was pretty, he was, I was pretty much like, this is a game managing kind of situation. He just doesn't need to lose in the game. And it's not going to be perfect each week, but Carson, the more comfortable he gets in the offense, he's comfortable with Frank Reich as, as his head coach and his coordinator. I think that this is slowly becoming a better and better fit for Carson. He's more comfortable. And from week eight to like now, week 11, it looks a lot more comfortable. It looks like a more seasoned veteran. It was very, very efficient. He only had 106 yards, but he didn't turn over the ball. He kept them in the game. He just, his Carson, Jonathan Taylor's on a roll. We're going to stick with him. Just don't lose us the game if we have to get in the third and long situation. He said, all right, I got you guys. Took care of business. Very impressive. I think in terms of the AFC, they're one of the more consistent teams right now. The Patriots are more consistent. The Chiefs are starting to get more consistent, even though I'm not sure about Kansas City yet. The verdict's still out there. The Ravens just won with the backup quarterback. There's a lot of good things that are happening in the NFL right now. There's a lot of parity, too. Every team feels closer to each other. We just had the Packers lose to the Vikings. We have the Bears who can compete. The Jaguars and the Lions are like the only two teams that are like, because the Jets still beat the Titans earlier in the year. So that's like something, even though they got smushed by New England twice. But there's a lot of good that is uh, going on with the NFL. So before we wrap up, I want to talk Philadelphia. Um, it was an interesting day yesterday. And it was a team that caught my eye. And I was like, man, I don't talk Philadelphia that much on the show. So I wanted to see want to see how they were. So I really watched them close. And what I saw, and this is more important than the other teams, they absolutely know who they are. And I feel like I'm beating a dead horse with this. And like I said, guys, I was going to be honest this week. So I thought that Nick Sirianni was going to be a disaster. His press conference was one of the worst. I thought it was worse than Dan Campbell because Dan Campbell at least had some life in him. He had some personality. He knew who he was. Nick Sirianni was a tire fire. It was a lot of ums and uhs and uh and ah, and you were just like, eh, wrong. Nope, try again, Philly. It was very much a mess. It was like, we have systems, and in these systems, we have systems of systems. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. And starting out, I think that they were trying to be more of a passing offense and get Jalen Hurts. They wanted to kind of prove to everybody that Jalen Hurts was a franchise quarterback. And... I think with Hertz and Carson Wentz, they're very similar in is that if you can get a run game established and make them comfortable and say, hey, don't lose us the game, they can totally do it. Jalen Hurts is very, very talented. He knows who he is. He knows that he can run the football well. He's very efficient. He's very strong, too, so he can take a couple hits here and there. It was very fun to watch. They can run the absolute heck out of the football, but at the same time, they can pull it with Jalen Hurts, so you never know who's going to have the football. It's very dangerous, very, very efficient for them to have. They were out coaching Sean Payton. They had an impressive road win against Denver. This is a team that's five and six, and their next games are the Giants, the Jets, the football team, the Giants, and the football team. They could win five straight in that situation. They could go three and two. They could be in a prime spot in the NFC where teams aren't as good at the bottom of the playoff. Like one and two, very good. Six and seven could be nine and eight, could be very average. Philadelphia could absolutely make the playoffs this year. And in a year where I thought they were going to be absolutely terrible and probably looking for a quarterback next year, they could be the playoffs. And something else that they have is common wins against opponents who are in their same spot. The Saints, who could still very well make a run, 
Sean Payton is an absolutely incredible head coach who could maybe sign somebody, maybe find a scheme for Trevor Simeon that works and make the playoffs. And the Panthers, who have Cam Newton back, a lot of momentum. You have a lot of wins against common opponents who are going to be in the end in the same spot as you. So if you have a win against the Saints or a win against the Panthers and you're both 9-8, and eight, who's going to get in the playoffs but Philadelphia? A lot of good stuff. I think that what Sirianni has done that's so impressive is he's taken an Eagles roster that is not good at all and made it a better team as a whole than just what the sum of those parts are. Those parts are not very good. They're not incredible at wide receiver. They're not incredible on the line. They're not incredible anywhere, but they've made it work. They've made this team work. They're like, we figured out who we are. After that Tampa game, I think they've got some confidence. They're like, hey, we can hang with the best of the best. Let's go roll and let's go win some games. And they are 5-6. and six. They've got a lot of momentum. They could very, very well make the playoffs. That is exciting. That is going to be very interesting to watch. If they play the Jets and the Giants, I'm taking them by seven at least, just because the Jets are a mess. We don't know who's going to play quarterback. And the Giants, you never know what you're going to get from them. Now, if the Giants go and beat Tampa Bay, they could very well be in the same situation as Philadelphia and be in this playoff position almost. And it's weird to say as a 4-16, and you're in a playoff position. But the NFC at the bottom is so weird, so loopy, so all over the place. You could be 8-9 or 9-8 and eight and be a postseason team. And I wouldn't want to play a Philadelphia Eagles team that can just run down your throat, potentially come to a Green Bay or an Arizona, and just say, hey, we know what we are, and we're going to try to use our identity. We're going to take you down. We're going to out-physical you in the postseason, especially if they're healthy. Ooh, that could be something. That could be something to watch. All right, guys. I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving break. It was certainly fun recording this. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or subscribe to let us know that you enjoy what you're listening to. Thank you guys so much for your support. As always, take care and have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving.